0: And it is time for another segment of Coffee Bag Reader. And this week, we're not reading a coffee bag. It's a jar. It is a glass jar. It is a glass jar from our friends that enjoy coffee. And uh, our good friend Justin Ennis is the roaster behind this one. And yeah, uh, super cool dude. Know him through the industry. Know him through friends. And just... Don't have a bad word to say about him, um, and this is was an excellent coffee. It Did was,
1: it was nice. It was clean.
0: Yeah, it was. It was simpler than I expected from the description, but yeah, I thought it was an excellent coffee. Uh, so what we're dealing with here from Enjoy is a Rwandan coffee with the label Gitabi Hill on it, and um, it's a really cool. Design to the jar. I think it's definitely got a graffiti feel to it. The logo itself has a very like you know it's it's sort of cursive. It's very flowing and colorful. It Was very
1: uh, poppy to me. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think like even the way Gitabi Hill is written, and and then that carries through into the flavor description, which is red grape fruit punch elderflower. It's it's funny because. That's uh, uh, quite a bit smaller, and I couldn't actually I'm, – I'm getting so old. I couldn't actually read it at first when I picked up the jar. Uh, the, I was like, Fruit Funch, what am I dealing with here? <laughs> like, What do I not know? So first of all, Wade, remind me, how many
1: ounces was this? This was a four-and-a-half-ounce jar. Right. So we're talking to small jar guys.
0: Well, and it's, it's a micro-roaster, and what they do is they schedule really specific dates for what they're going to roast when. And then they send them out. And the only reason I got a hold of this one was because he did his math wrong and <laughs> had some extra. He calls up Rory at Ugly Duck. He's like, hey, do you want to sell this? And, of course, we're always down for good coffee. And uh, that was how I got my hands on a jar of Gitabi Hill.
1: Yeah. What you mentioned was really great. Um, you noticed the branding right off the bat there. It's, it's
0: very eye-catching.
1: It's very eye-catching. And then you see the farm name. That's also most prominent there, which is, I think, more important almost than, you know, some of the other things that we've seen.
0: Right. Definitely. Definitely. Drawing attention to the yeah the people who deserve it. And the,
1: I don't know. I'm a sucker for branding. I'm a sucker for packaging and all of that stuff. And, you know, I've been duped once or twice into a cool package, especially a cool coffee and just it being terrible. And this jar was was that for me? I was seeing it. I was like, is this just a, is this marketing or is this going to be really excellent? Once.
0: Yeah, no. And I think it, I think it lived up. Uh, and maybe that's a little biased because of how much I love Justin. But it, I, th- I think something that's really relevant about this jar is there is not a lot of information here. Pretty much what we just said is it, right? So there's a logo and then it says Katabi Hill. And then there's a flavor descriptor, there descriptors.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. They give you a little bit more at the bottom, you know, about the region it comes from and such, but
0: not a lot there. Not a lot going on. But, but. <laughs> we we love a surprise. <laughs> go ahead, Aaron.
1: Oh, we're getting we're getting good at this podcasting thing. Uh, but there's a QR code on it. You scan this QR code and you are taken to. All right, here we go, guys. A lot of reading. <laughs> <laughs> A
0: lot of reading. I'm sorry, Aaron. We keep doing it to you. Uh, and you find out that this is uh, 11 smallholder producers. Uh, you find out much more about the specific origin, uh, what what province and what district of the province, elevation, varieties on their process, his roast level, and who imported it, the importer oh. that he bought it from, uh, on top of the flavor notes, which we've seen before. And then... This is funny for me because just last week I was like, there were two paragraphs just last week. Time is a flat circle. Uh, Just, just, you know, in our last recording session, I was like, there are two paragraphs on the back of this bag. Yep. Uh, And here we have three much longer paragraphs (laughs) in a very small font. Um, I assume this is straight from Justin about his experience with this coffee and what he was able to find out from, from the importer uh, and it's it's incredibly valuable stuff because it focuses you in very much on the coffee itself.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as somebody who will take that packaging of those two full paragraphs and kind of shrug his shoulders at it a little bit. You know, I've seen some of this stuff before. I thought this was a much better method.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Makes way more sense to me. And honestly, you know, what's behind that QR code? There's there's a little bit of interest there, and that sucked me right in.
0: Immediately creates curiosity and satisfies that curiosity incredibly well with the additional information. We got to come up with some kind of rating system. Ooh, like this coffee. This, this design was? gets four bags out of five. I don't know. No, that's horrible. Like, let's not do that. Four <laughs> beans. No, nope. no. We're gonna workshop this. Uh, but uh, I thought this was just a really excellent uh, jar of coffee. A really excellent branding. Really excellent way to approach. Um, selling something uh, that's a specialty product and final
1: thoughts? My thought, yeah, similar. It was firing on all cylinders.
0: Excellent. This has been another edition of Coffee Bag Reader.
2: If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of Play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. Drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to NominateMeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination.
1: wrestling with this idea of climate change and how it's impacting you know, the industry as a whole. We've already acknowledged that this is a much broader issue than we're, we're going to be able to tackle in one podcast, let alone if we had an entire podcast developed to this. Um, a few things that came about in my week, and this was kind of interesting to me. Every article or podcast I was listening to this week seemed to hit on a different aspect of at least what I was interpreting as climate change. You know, maybe it's that uh white car scenario, you know, you buy a white car and then you notice all of them, but it, everything I read w- seemed like it was hitting that mark there. Uh, one of the great podcasts. Uh, if you're looking to get in another niche there, if you're into watches, you got to check out these guys at the gray NATO. They had a, prominent diver in the industry on, super passionate lady about all things related to diving and the ocean. The start of the podcast brought about this idea that we think about global warming in terms of, you know, emissions and our solutions largely center around the idea of how do we reduce emissions, electric cars, solar power, all of this stuff to reduce emissions And what she brought up just blew my mind here. It was reframing of the entire problem. And her direct, you know, link was to the oceans. From the idea that when we look at these oceans, we view it very differently. Her simple concept was this. Think about this, guys. Seafood. Now, the reason I bring that up is we don't look at everything else and go, oh, I'd like some land food today. It, it reframes everything there. And that's kind of the, where we, where I want to go with this is she brought up this whole idea of looking at carbon sinks. So, you know, Wade, what, do you, what are your uh, ideas there on, you know, tackling this issue at a, at a micro scale? We've kind of measured and talked about things that we can't do and what we're trying to do there. But maybe if we focus on a little bit more instead of, you know, emissions there and what we're doing, you know, this might be something that gains some traction there. Well,
0: uh, I have young children, so I'm just really glad you didn't, like, open your mouth and reveal, like, a bunch of food you had chewed on when you said (laughs) seafood. So. Can uh, you also
2: teach his children to call everything else land, land food? Because yes. it's really going to drive that him term crazy. Is
0: definitely going to find its way into my home. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was. Uh, <laughs> how's your land food? <laughs> it was. It
1: was revolutionary in my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Is is that getting at uh, the way we categorize things broadly enough to not have to care about the particulars? I think that's exactly what she was getting at. There. Yeah. Yeah. You know we we view the ocean
1: there as a source and a commodity. You know, similarly, you know, we look at the industry we know and love and we view a lot of it as commodity there in terms of we don't care about things, or I shouldn't say we don't care about things because we do, especially on this podcast. We don't look at a ton of the other aspects of growing coffee there that might be benefiting this area there.
0: I, I mean I think yeah when and that is definitely a frame change that uh the changing climate conditions are forcing on us because we do now have to think about some of these very small uh changes be they like year to year changes or be they really specific to certain regions where they may seem like they don't matter but they're having like a huge impact they're actually hazardous to growing coffee right like correct so. Um, And in, you know, in the oceans, we're talking about like coral and carbon sequestration via coral, which I've heard, you know, the Amazons called the lungs of the earth, except that actually Mm -hmm. coral reefs sequester, you know, what is it like far more carbon? I won't get into any numbers. I won't try to guess at any numbers, but far more carbon than any rainforest ever has uh, in the history of our planet. So, yeah. uh, So, yeah. um, So we so that, I think, gets to some things uh, we're talking about with uh, reforestation efforts or thinking about coffee farms, all coffee farms, not just like specialty farms, as part of a larger ecosystem where uh, if you' if you're supporting natural vegetation, you're supporting that ecosystem, it's good for uh, the health of the soil itself ultimately, which is then makes it good for growing coffee, right? So so when you boil it down to some of those really specific elements, um, that's some of what we've gotten into today. Yeah,
1: yeah, and those uh, certifications for the areas and protecting those areas. I think you're going to find, you know, like we said, on a larger scale, if we start focusing on that little stuff, that's going to start making the difference there. Um, you know, and looking at one of those little aspects, again, another great article right out of uh, another publication there, uh, Coffee Zine. Co- Co- Sorry, Co- coffee yeah. people? that's another one. Yeah, coffee people.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I've seen this one on, around. Wade told me, you know, you got to pick it up sometimes. So I grabbed one whole article on soil there. Same same idea there.
0: That's issue number 20. Uh, the theme was earth. And so, yeah, there is an analysis of soil health and, and how that relates to growing coffee uh, in issue 20, which, gosh, that came out earlier this year. Um, look for issue 21 theme fire coming end of July. So wanted to get a little plug in there for cat and coffee people.
1: And if I'm not wrong, you said the rest of the issues are also going to be elemental
0: for this year. Yeah. 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 There are three. I think the third one's going to be water.
1: So these are all coming onto my shelf there. Again, the guy who doesn't read much, it's coming. There's <laughs> pretty uh, pictures too. I mean, it's oh, the same
0: standard. <laughs> you can't uh, fool me. You can't fool me,
1: Aaron. I'm on to you. Um, uh, So a few things about that, you know, you also look at these micro issues and they're good for on all aspects there. So, you know, I just want to point those out. Um, Now, here's a here's another issue that came brought up that here's another issue that was brought up there. We're looking at the idea of climate change as harming our planet. And as a result, we're looking at going to space is the biggest thing. You know, are we going to live on Mars? She brought up the idea here. We're not warming up the Earth as much as we're carbonizing it. We're releasing all this carbon into the air, talking about desertification and all of this stuff, and we're looking at going to Mars which is this inhospitable planet? Guess what Mars' atmosphere is made up of. Shocker here, Wade. You can guess.
0: Uh, I'm sure it's much more carbonized. Yes, it's carbon yeah, dioxide yeah. mostly. Yeah. So
2: well, and it, it, I think it it is one of those opportunities to. It, it's it is the action, right? So we're you know we're we're talking about the result all the time, you know. The result is you know climate change and global warming being a facet of climate change um and we we talk about the result um less than we sometimes talk about the specific mechanism not not even the cause but the mechanism of climate change you know being carbonization being you know all the extra you know all the heat everything else so we're you know talking about the mechanism is is a pretty interesting way of looking at it and brings it down to the nitty-gritty again versus like a wide ranging concept because climate change is in the eye of the beholder. But you know, when you're talking about the actual mechanism, it's right there
1: for sure. And there's so much stuff all around us that we should be paying more attention to than the larger issue of climate change that if we can gain that traction there and looking at these things, it's going to be little changes along the way. There's, we talk about Geisha and some of these hybrids that are coming out. Maybe we should be focusing more on those.
2: Well, and that's, that brings, I mean, we're, we're in the backyard of Cornell University. One of the, one of the Cornell agriculture, one of the amazing, um, you know, groups that does that in the wine world with hybrid grapes. And they've created so many of these amazing products between them. And, uh, I forget the name of the company, but uh, tied to fruition seeds and tied to some of the other seed work being done in our region, I mean we've created hybrid grapes that are now yielding much higher quality things. And with the change happening in our region and others, um, you know, maintaining that and expanding our growing regions through hybridization is now catching on in traditional wine growing regions. It's catching on in France because they have no choice. So we're we're starting to see that catch on in regions that have been, um, I'd say, at best dismissive of hybrids in the past. And, you know, I think it's uh, to all of us who talk about this from an educational perspective or an advocate perspective to, you know, talk up the benefits of these when they do occur and find the positives and not just, "Ah, it's not quite what it was. What it was might not happen anymore, or at least at the volumes that we're used to. Getting into
1: final aspects there. What I got excited for is, is there the possibility that we can grow coffee somewhere in the U.S.? Can we make anything that's going to be sustainable enough, maybe in a, a greenhouse or something, that we can change a growing environment enough there?
3: Well, Hawaii's been growing coffee for a very long time. And it's very well known for great coffee, right? Right. Yeah. Puerto Rico as well. Right. Well they've had a lot of trouble with the hurricanes maintaining yeah. a crop, right?
2: Has has there been a it's something I'm less familiar with in Puerto Rico that they've been you know growing is it a larger crop there? I'm I'm actually not familiar with that.
3: I'm actually not very well educated on coffee in Puerto Rico.
2: That's that sounds fascinating. I'd love to read up on that. I don't I don't know anybody
1: that's mentioned it before.
2: Yeah.
3: That was in an article that you sent.
1: No. Uh, Prove he no. doesn't read. <laughs> not that it's growing there, more that there's an expert somewhere. Janine,
3: my bad, I'm so sorry. Uh,
2: although, I mean, to be fair, that's I mean, how how far away are we from coffee being grown in uh, grown in the Caribbean? Like, we're not that far off of the off of the equator where we might see, you know, we might see coffee grown in the Caribbean at some point, uh, in Puerto Rico, in Jamaica, in the Dominican Republic. I mean, how far away are we? Probably not that far.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've got there are estimated twenty three hundred farms. Wow, twenty three hundred coffee farms in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's that's exciting. That's f- some of those estimates get weird. Yeah, you know, like if you've ever heard the estimate that there are a million coffee farms on the planet, that's a total BS. Don't believe that. But yeah. so so I mean, but even lowballing that, even half that is like way more than I think we would we would expect to find. Uh, I'm looking for numbers. What was the Coffee production, twenty twenty two coffee production.
2: Well, and I I think it just opens up some of those doors to talk about to talk about you know maybe coffee growing regions that we're less familiar with, and as you know as we continue to talk through this stuff in the future, you know you know getting a chance to try some of that stuff, getting a chance to read more about you know maybe small volume production in these areas that we're not typically talking about in specialty coffee. But maybe we start, you know, we're getting it on the ground floor of learning about that and bringing some of that information to people. That, that sounds exciting. I mean, at least to me, it's like, yeah. man, I, I want to learn about the, you know, the burgeoning industries, not just the, you know, the ones we're all used to.
1: It's you just exciting stuff.
3: You mentioned greenhouses. I wonder how big of a greenhouse you'd have to have in order to have like a small micro lot. Wouldn't that be exciting?
1: That's, that's exactly it. It would yeah. be exciting, right? That would be super. I mean, New York-grown coffee. Texas right. grown coffee. I mean, coffee. I would
3: I would give it side eye, but I'd buy the bag
1: for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could get it, you'd at least give it a shot, right?
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I, I think there's there's so much fun that we could that can be done. I'm sure somebody is crazy enough to do that here in the U S. That just wants to like just wants to give it a shot, or in the off season, because um, it's yeah we've we've got there's a lot of fun opportunity right now to you know make those little marks on. On the industry.
3: Totally get in Um, now. I I
2: imagine there's going to be, you know, you'll see one producer in, you know, let's say Puerto Rico that wants to do it. You know, they've got high elevation. They've got the climate for it, always coming up on the climate for it. Imagine you see one small producer producing stuff that everybody wants to get. Mm. And then you start getting more people into it. I mean, you know, the possibilities can be really interesting.
1: And I could be wrong. Didn't Joe Bean have a coffee plant, like, in their... In their shop at one point.
3: Yeah, yeah, we did a tiny micro harvest <laughs> and process and roast, and it was like eight beans.
2: <laughs> yeah, you you had to pick one bean to prof- to test the roast out. You know, one bean at a time, just to test it and then see what happens.
3: Have you seen those teeny teeny tiny Hario pour overs? They're like for dollhouses. Oh, that's what you would need. <laughs> is that
2: like those 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 videos where they do like the tiny sandwiches like a and tiny stuff. burrito for hamsters?
3: Oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're so oh, my cute. Gosh. <laughs>
1: You guys are on the internet too much.
3: <laughs> Maybe.
2: <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I mean, this this is, I, I love the fact that we're talking on all these different aspects. This is, you know, the kind of doors you're opening, you know, Aaron, with all these things, like just opens up the next, next topics we want to dive into here on the show. It's kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, just possibilities looking at it from a larger perspective there.
0: no not oh, on guys. that right there. <laughs> Aaron looked very eager to say no I just Uh so he's
3: got the answer.
0: <laughs> we're uh we're actually going to wrap the episode up very soon. Uh I know we're we're going to go a little over time here but um that's on me. <laughs> um, Cuz I want to talk about this article and I know that Janina and I read this article a little bit differently so I'm very very much looking forward to being corrected here. Uh in in the best way possible. <laughs>
3: Oh, I hope I read it right.
0: <laughs> Same. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> the debate is on. Yes, on, this is going to be good. So, Go um, this is a study that uh, about certifications, climate legislation, and environmental outcomes. So, in southern Brazil, the study finds there's no positive correlation between the Rainforest Alliance certifications uh, given to farms and groups of farms in the region and conservation outcomes. So, outcomes on deforestation. Uh, outcomes on local, uh, native vegetation and and its uh, viability in this region. There are positive correlations between uh, Rainforest Alliance certification and economic outcomes, so the farmers are making more money. Again, like if we focus on the economics of it, it's good, but if we focus on the climate of it, not so good. Um, so it's good for farmers and their farms, but not necessarily for these regional biomes. But there's a wrinkle here. In areas where farms overlap land of a certain protected status... Farmers are a exceeding RFA standards without the economic benefit of certification. So they're doing the work, but not getting the money and B having the kind of conservation impact that the RFA standards are intended to cause. So they're actually better for uh, the local biomes. They're better for deforestation. They're better for local uh, vegetation. They're better for the river banks and preserving all the different life that those, um, that those sustain. And ultimately Legislation for protecting specific biomes, be it mountaintops, uh, forest edges, et cetera, is more effective and could have the added incentive of qualifying more farms for RFA certification, which would get them the economic benefits. Um, And ultimately, this points out that conservation, like most problems related to climate change, is most effectively dealt with at the policy level. So, Janine, that's my reading.
3: I just read it um maybe incorrectly but this was my takeaway that even certified farms even certifying farms may not be enough unless there is legislation to back up those practices yes, i need absolutely. to know more about why in order to like have an idea I don't I'm not like well qualified enough in this. I haven't visited these farms or talked to these farmers about why that would be the case.
0: Absolutely. So I don't really
3: want to guess at that. But my takeaway from the paper was that even with an education or even with a certification, there it's it's not enough to make a change unless there are laws and ramifications.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting that uh so we're just coming at this from from two different angles. You're saying certification isn't enough without legislation and i'm saying where there's legislation and there's not even certification it's more effective exactly so, okay. yeah absolutely yeah. so we're both we're both looking at kind of the two sides of the thing yeah and and the fact is you know we're putting all of this on farmers when you know if if you're going to make legislation and you're going to make conservation efforts who has who has the most resources to do that is it the farmer or is it the government
3: oh no and now we're in agreement that like there have to be ramifications for farmers that don't follow these, these laid out procedures. And I don't know if I want to be in that seat to say that. I know mm. nothing about uh, what these changes they have to make, uh, what sort of effects they have on their lives, and why they're not easy to follow. Like, I just don't even want to touch that with, with a 10-foot pole until I know more.
1: You're also sure. getting into this area where the people on the ground are going to be the experts there. I'm not going to pretend to even understand how to grow coffee. Like, I've got it at a huge macro level. Like, yeah, you need these temperatures. Maybe this elevation is going to be better than that one. But the day-to-day, you know, trials and procedures that they're dealing with, I'm not going to pretend to know that. This whole thing with legislation, you've got to work with the guys on the ground. Because you can say X, Y, and Z at the top here, but and that might work for one farmer. But it's not going to work for everyone.
3: Right. It's tricky because it was very clear in the paper that without the laws surrounding it, there is no, like, verifiable change.
0: There's even a wrinkle to that because they look at two different kinds of environmental protection, two different classifications of environmentally protected land in that region. Mm -hmm. And the one is not as—or the one's, like, more lax than the other— and not seeing the same kind of outcomes, it's literally the strictest laws are having the best impact, right?
2: And I mean we're we've we're dabbling into the you know age old discussion of you know an individual or a regional perfect actor is in regarding climate change or almost anything is relatively ineffective versus systemic change to the overall systems, which are fundamentally flawed, but an 80% systemic change is vastly more effective than a hundred percent personal change. I know, you know, when, uh, they were walking, you know, uh, Wade and Aaron were walking in like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my individual part, you know, with like, Hey, I'm driving, driving an electric car. I'm, I'm eating vegan. I'm not eating any meat. I'm doing all that right stuff. All good things. Makes, makes zero difference in the aggregate. Um, I can feel good about what I've done, but without systemic change, the the effects are minimal. I mean, I mean, <laughs> are negligible. I think is the better way of saying it. One farm that's doing things the right way may have the workers treated better, and that's worthwhile. You know, might have better results, might have better yield, but um, the inherently flawed, flawed systemic changes might be the only way to make an impact that actually results in the changes that need to happen. Right. which is terrifying but might be the unfortunate reality. And you're you're also
1: bringing it back to that where we started. The sy- systemic change is at a huge macro level and you get down to oh, I'm going to buy an electric car or I'm not going to eat meat, and the other person says, well, that's not going to do anything, so why should I bother?
2: Yeah. It's you know, we we can we can all grab value from the living our lives the way we think is the best way of doing it. And that can be enough for your own existence and value in doing the right thing. But when you're talking about responsibility, the responsibility's on the on the government and the I mean this is my personal views. I, I think it is on the government and you know the corporations that make the most the most impact to own it because they're causing the most impact.
0: And I don't hesitate to say that we know the corporations are not gonna meet that responsibility. Without being forced, yeah. Right, but I
3: have to say, uh, at the end of the day, if you're trying everything you possibly can to do your part, you're gonna rest better. You're gonna, you yeah, know? absolutely. I'm not gonna All see a huge problem coming at me and do nothing about it. Absolutely,
0: right. yeah. Yep. You
3: know, it, it's it's
2: being content with your own actions is the only thing we have full control over. Sorry to turn a coffee podcast into a philosophical podcast.
0: I, I think this conversation is is perfectly tailored to um, to this topic because ultimately the way I feel about it is that the choices we need to make are political ones, and we need to back candidates and initiatives that take very seriously the fact that um, you know in twenty twenty when we were all driving our cars so little that the price of gas plummeted. Uh, we only lowered global emissions by 8%. 8%! Right. With not that the cars. few cars on the road. Yeah. So that's a personal choice. And it is 8% better? Way better. Of course that's good. But that kind of scales our impact right there. As opposed to um, how energy is produced and how it's moved. And, and yeah, to some extent, who's using it when. So... Um, That's where it goes for me. I think that I think that. I don't know much about the Brazilian political system, but the more we see areas protected, uh, the better outcomes we're going to see, especially vis-a-vis coffee farms. So any other thoughts?
3: These laws in particular are just about putting trees back in the ground. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and stopping deforestation and not being allowed to destroy certain types of native vegetation because they're good for the overall ecosystem.
3: Yeah, those are laws I can get behind.
0: That's very very easy. Very low hanging fruit. Sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if if only Thanks for listening Thanks to producer Chris Lindstrom And the Food About Town studio uh, Special thanks to our sponsor Nominate Meals um, If you like the show You can find us on Substack Apple Podcasts Don't forget to subscribe Rate, review Tell your friends to listen uh, Thanks to my co-hosts Aaron Pescucci And Janine Melnick You can find us on Instagram At levelup.wny Please reach out with any questions Or requests for future episodes DM us and someone will read it Thanks and uh, enjoy your coffee